0: Love Talk Radio. It's Wednesday afternoon and we're excited to be on the air. Your hosts for today's show are Robert brining and Jack McEnroe. They will be taking your calls and speaking out on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That's 347-215-9442 four two. Welcome to Pause IM Radio. Good afternoon everyone and welcome to Pause IM Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, joined by co host Jack McEnroth. Jack, happy Wednesday to you. <clears throat>
1: Thanks, man. How's it going?
0: Good, how are you?
2: I'm
1: kind of just waking up. I've been on this really kind of fucked up sleep schedule because I took I took the red eye on from Seattle, so I slept all day Monday, and then I couldn't fall asleep at night, and then so now I think I'm sort of back to normal. But I'm good.
0: I'm
1: a little little crusty-eyed, but I think I'll function okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure Egypt won't mind. Um, (laughs) What was I going to say to you? I just saw the new widget that you um, put out on Facebook, and I have to tell you that it's really, really great.
1: Thanks, thanks. Yeah, that was through... my Merck project, Living Positive by Design, and, uh, yeah, we did. I, I just saw it for the first time today as well, so they um, edit it really well. It's, it's just so funny in, like, the TV video land. I We shot for uh, two days, and it was, like, those interviews that I did with uh you can go to my Facebook page and look at it, or you can go to LivingPositiveByDesign.com, and it's on there now. But I – interviewed each one of those guys, I asked them like 20 questions, and they, they edited it down to just like two questions each. It was, it was interesting. So, But, you know, they did a really good job.
0: Right, definitely.
1: So, yeah. I just wanted
0: to, to tell you that I saw that um, out on Facebook, and it was really cool, and I actually put a link to it in the chat room. Um, what's interesting is today we have a really cool guest. Um, his name is Egypt, and he's also known as Devin T. Robinson X. And you may have seen him on the Apollo or uh, BET or MTV. I mean, the man's been all over. He actually writes, uh, I believe, a column where he writes his poetry because he also runs an organization called the AIDS Awareness Poets, Inc. that's based Uh in Florida. And um, what was I going to just say to you? Uh, He writes um, a column for HIV Plus magazine, and he submits, like, poems. And I don't know how often it is. I know when he comes on, he'll talk about it. But he has some really, really interesting – Poems and I, I, you know me, I'm a poet and I like you know to write poems and I think it's kind of cool that he's going to come on and share his story today. I see him online, on hold. So um, I'm just going to bring him on right now.
2: Okay, cool. Let's
0: see. Everybody, welcome to Egypt, aka Devin T. Robinson, next to I am Radio. How you doing today, man?
3: Oh man, oh man, you guys are making me blush and I'm not supposed to blush. I'm supposed to be too gangster to blush, but I'm, I'm doing all right, <laughs> man. I'm. I'm definitely doing all right, man. Just enjoying this, uh, the movie making process, and the new tour that I'm involved in, and, uh, and definitely the the poems that I've been putting on HIV uh, Plus magazine. I mean, they they've been getting a lot of attention uh, because of just the, the, the way that I write and the topics that I bring. You know, the, the titles, I guess, about the about the issues or whatnot. You know, because I really I really focus more so on just making sure people know that HIV just isn't, you know, somebody has sex with somebody and then, bam, they just got it, you know, trying to bring the stories and bring, you know, how things, how things truly happen and different ideas so, you know, you can broaden the spectrum of how people think. But, but yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited.
0: Cool. We're glad to have you on, and um, I'm excited that uh, you're here today with us. I know that your schedule is really, really busy. <laughs> You've got a lot of stuff coming up. So um, before we talk about what you're doing now with the movie and all that, because I definitely want to touch on that because that comes out December 1st, right? Right, correct. Um, can we talk a little bit of how you got involved in, in, in doing what you do? Like where so did it start a, from you? It, it, um, the short version of it, I went to this really boring
3: uh, HIV uh, conference, and just, the, the, the people there were talking about how, you know, black and white people were dying from this virus, and they, and I was, I was at the time about between 19 and 20, and I was falling asleep. So I'm sitting there saying all these black and white people, Jewish people, are, are, are dead and dying from this virus. And you mean to tell me we can't have somebody say this to me with some energy in their throat to, to let me know that it's, it's important because it's easy to tell somebody don't make a left, you can die. But when you say, hey, don't, don't make a left, you can die, you pay attention to it. Um, so what I, what I devised from that moment, I said, I said, I can't sit here and let all these people die when I know I have a gift for gab. I have a gift for getting people's attention. It's just something I was born with. And since I was a little kid, I always got in trouble for talking so much. But, um, <laughs> but it, was, it wasn't the fact that I talked so much. It was the fact that I got people to listen. So I, I, said, I said, we have to, do, I have to do something different, something in your face. So that moment, um, I devised a thing I called, um, uh, 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 it, was going, it was going to be In Your Face March. And what happens is we march. rather than during the day, we marched at midnight at the busy club strip in, in downtown West Palm Beach, which is huge. And, you know, we had we, the, whole moral, the whole game plan is to catch people when they least would expect to hear about HIV, number one. Then number two, let it be in their face, not something that they can run away from. You can turn off a TV. You can turn off a radio station. You can turn off many different things. But when somebody's in your face with a pamphlet or a condom or some information or a T-shirt, it's kind of hard to turn away, but even if you turn away, you've already been infected with the information or the idea, so you may not make that mistake that particular night with that girl or that guy or that guy and girl or girl guy you never know
2: but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh
3: the main thing that's what that's what first sparked it because I just saw that there was a lack of of proper leaders that were that, that not able just to talk about the virus but give direction. you know it's easy to say that you know wear condoms and and um and it just be, some, be wise or whatever. But how do you be wise? How do you wear condoms? How do you get people? What's the direction to, to get to this level of even wearing condoms? Because some people don't like wearing wear condoms. I had a friend of mine who I've known since middle school, even up until like two years ago. I mean, I've been in this hardcore for almost a decade, and this guy was still having unprotected sex. You know, like I even had to coach him in, into how to get into the position of, of wearing condoms, and this is a friend of mine. So it just shows you that if it's, it's without direction, even the simplest thing is putting on a condom is hard for people but it's, but that was my that was my gift, and I said uh, HIV is one of the main things i talk about, but also talk about black history, also talk about sex and relationships and um and also domestic violence. That's my new tour that I'm doing now so its I just was blessed with the ability to really want to help help people, and I just had a unique knack for for doing it well just getting people to pay attention, saying the right things to make people giggle a little bit. As soon as they giggle, you hit them with that information, and then it's like a box. You hit them with a one-two and come back out, you know, and that was that was how I started back in
0: 2004, 2004. Now, Egypt, I read somewhere, I read in two different spots two different things about you, so I don't know what is true and what isn't true. You yourself are not HIV positive?
2: Not HIV you positive? positive. You're but
0: not.
3: I, I wouldn't, what I, yeah, in the, um, and the BET um, special they did on, on me, it was between it was two different people who were HIV positive and two people who were HIV negative. And, um, and what the what show did was just showing people that everybody who's, everybody who's fighting and educating people about this virus don't necessarily have to be infected. And the people that are putting their energies out there and dying and whatnot, don't necessarily have to say that they're infected or affected. Some people generally have a care that they want to just change something and that was one of my things i was um um now i have people in my family who have the virus um, my cousin and a, a couple other people but before then it was like i was like i didn't want to i didn't want to be like everybody else and just have the only reason i'm here is because of something that happened to me i said and I, and that's admirable that people would stand up and fight for any reason like i don't judge anybody's reason but i said my main thing is i said we always wait till it, it, it hits us home before we get up and do something it's like, why wait until you have cancer or your grandpa dies from cancer for you to get up and do something to educate people about cancer? Why not, why not nip it in the bud now and then if something happens or whatnot, you've already started and you already know how to battle it. And that was my main thing, just pushing more people. Even my organization, we have a, the AIDS Awareness Poets, we have a few presidents that are HIV positive, but a majority of the organization – are people who are HIV negative, and the reason why, is because I said, I want everybody, I want everybody who who does anything, just to start standing up now and stopping these things. Just stand up now. Why wait? Because just like the Snickers Snickers um, uh, uh, promo, you know, hungry. Why wait? Well, this just why wait for anything to happen? Stand up and do something. Because when it does happen to you, when you, 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 some people are not like are not like Scott, or not like many of the not not like many of the people who are standing up now, like Marvel and Brown, and, and many of the people. They may if they get the virus or whatever, or somebody gets it in the family, they just may stay home. they just may forget about it, they may not pick up a path to learn anything or whatnot. So it's like just saying right now, just stand up and do something, don't wait let's change just change the course of the virus right now together as people who have it and don't have it combined and make something happen
1: Well, I think it's really commendable that you're involved in you're not yourself should be positive because um you know, I think it's very rare. Even though I think it's obviously a worldwide problem, but people don't—I don't think people really take stock in prevention and a cure and being safe and all that stuff until it—it it really hits. You know, they have to deal with their own mortality. So I commend you for that.
3: Appreciate it. Um,
1: that? I, I, I do kind of have a question, which I did ask Marvelyn when she was on the show, and I—I um, I live in Harlem, and I don't pretend to be like, completely tapped into the African-American, like, culture here. But I do notice that, in general, sort of within the, you know, the a lot of the minority communities, they don't – there's a certain weird – I mean, the, there's a stigma that's associated with HIV, but I think there's also even more of a stigma associated with homosexuality and and – um, talking about HIV in any way, shape, or form. It's, like, sort of se- seen as an affront to masculinity, and I, w- I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. Marvel did really quite understand the question, I don't think, but um, I just i just think, you know, people aren't very accepting of, you know, not that HIV is a gay disease, but in the U.S. it's primarily the that's hit hardest, and um, you know, it's just, I, you know, they don't talk about it, it's like, it's very common, the whole thing, with, you know, being on the down low and not getting tested and not admitting to things, and you pretend it's not there and it's going to go away. And I think, I think it seems really prevalent. So
3: what do you think about that? So, so your question is how, do, how, do, does, how does the black community handle um, homosexuality or how does, black, how does the black community handle um, HIV or how does, homose- how does the black community handle homosexual people, who, well, gay people who are affected with HIV. Well, no, I think I, it's a—it's
1: kind of all tied in together. I think okay. because of certain, this is, you know, of course, stereotypical, and there's always exceptions to every rule, but I think within the, a lot of the minorities, Hispanic included communities, where there's a lot of, like, machismo, um, I think that homosexuality is really frowned upon, and because it's uh, a lot of times HIV is seen as a gay men's disease that it's not even talked about. And it's like they won't talk about, you know, if, I don't know. I just think it's it's particularly prevalent. And I know that HIV rates within the the black and Hispanic community are skyrocketing because of that because people are embarrassed to get go get tested. They, you know, they, they think there's a lot of shame and stigma involved. And, I mean, do you find that to be true? Uh, well, I
3: would I would do it in this way. I would do it in I would break it down the question in three different ways. How do black people? How does the black community deal with? Number one, homosexuality. And right. You touched on it too. It's, we part A. When it comes down, well, question A. When it comes down to it, it's a it's a big thing. Been the African African um, um, powerhouse. You know, um, even before prior to the deal, when we when we were in charge of the world over in Egypt, we it, it was it was a big thing to be the, 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 man, you know, um, even in West Africa being the Mandingo, you know, it was, it was just that that was a strong African man. Whenever you've seen images of the African, African man, it was strong and, and powerful. And, you know, no matter what happens, him, he was, he was almost savage in the sense of, of just manliness. Now you take that same image that we've been embedded with, and then you make him a little flamboyant. You make him with his, 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 uh, his walk is different, he is lighter. he's lighter, he's more feminine. Now you've broken that image that we're accustomed to, and we can't accept that. We can't accept the fact that that's, that's a new image. When we do that, that, you can understand now why we don't want to accept that image, because that image doesn't correlate with the image that we've been used to. So that's why, that's why it comes down to the homosexuality, why we're not comfortable with it. That's part A. Part no, part, uh, part two. Part B of the, of the question when it comes down to how we handle HIV, this is another thing. Because remember, it started off as GRID, the gay-related immune disease or something of that nature. Right. When we first first heard about it, we heard about it as a gay disease. So now you attach that same idea that, okay, now it's a gay disease, and now these black men and women are infected with it. We could care less about the women, but the men are infected with it. They couldn't have got it. You know, it's not correlating in our minds that they got it, you know, from heterosexual contact, but maybe it's, homosexual contact. so now we don't even, we can't even connect that, and we don't want to connect it because now it goes back to the whole gay thing, so it's like we don't want to deal with this virus, and also it's a, also it looks as a sign of uh, limits, you know, you only have such an amount of time to live, and, and now we can't deal with somebody giving us a time frame on our, on our lives because it's too scary, so now we're dealing with the time frame and the fact of going back to the homosexuality portion and, and that's something that we just, we just are not ready to deal with, which a lot of people aren't. And many different cultures are not ready to deal with it. Some people are just dealing with it. You can deal with things and not be ready for it, just dealing with it just out of, I have to. And that's what we are doing and many other cultures are doing, but it's just still not, we're not comfortable with this virus nor homosexuality. And now to answer it all together, I just believe that homosexuality and HIV in the black community is just something collectively that we're not comfortable with because it, it's not part of our, our culture and it's not part of our – it's now a part of it, but it's, it wasn't originally part of our culture nor our history. So it's just something that we're just trying to get comfortable with, even even just learning how to praise um, Christianity in America. We're still trying to figure that out. If you can see, I don't know if you've ever been to a black neighborhood, but we have at least like 500 um, uh, churches in that, in one neighborhood, just because that the idea of us figuring out – how do we properly do this because we're not completely comfortable yet because that's not our culture and that's not our tradition. So I hope that's, that's how that, I answered all three of the questions. Well, that's how it, uh, it goes as far as like, the black community, how we deal
1: with these certain things. Right. Yeah, there are a hell of a lot of churches up in Harlem, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: there's,
1: there's, there's like five on every, every block, yeah. yeah. Sunday's a big day <laughs> in Harlem, and you see a lot of hats.
3: <laughs> yeah, you, you'll be definitely getting lost or whatnot. You know, and the churches have similar names like First Baptist this and First Baptist that. You're like, what? What is the difference? But it just goes to show, gives proof to what I'm saying. We're just trying to find our 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 comfort zone in this virus. Like many people, even like the even I think the one culture of people that's really grabbing hold of this virus isn't necessarily any ethnic culture. But I think the the home. I don't. I'm. Not, I was told not to call it homosexual, but the gay community has found a way to at least, at least understand that we're comfortable with this and we have to fight it. And that's the beautiful thing, finding that particular culture um, to be able to, to grasp it because I believe they've dealt with it longer than everybody else. And the media, which is another thing, too, the media did a really great job of, of making it a gay disease. I mean, you've got to believe it. Like, the media really did an awesome job of such a gay disease and gay white male, gay white male disease. Right. And, and that when they did that, I mean, that really was a nail in the coffin because no one wanted to believe that any heterosexual person got it. If they got it, if they, you know, the, all these awesome ideas came up that somebody fell on a needle, if they got it, oh, he, he got it because he's not gay, he fell on a needle. or All these little we-know-the-stories, I mean, people make up everything because they didn't want to originally say that this was a disease I got from Well, I think
1: at the time, people that were not gay white males were like, "You have the disease, I want it." Like, you know, they were like, "I don't think I, You know, it, it makes logical sense that yeah, we, you know, certain groups of people were not getting the attention that they needed surrounding AIDS and HIV. But at the time, no one really knew what the hell was going on, and I would think they were happy to not be a part of the group included. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You know, it'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's only affecting, like, gay men, so it's not part of us, and let's not deal with that, which, you know, now it kind of, it, it, it to, to in this, like you're mentioning it, to a certain degree, it's to, now it's to our benefit that, you know, you know, we're doing a lot of activism within the gay community because we were all dying, and we really had to, you know, stand up, talk about it, make a difference, be visible, fight for our rights, fight for health care, where I just think they're, you know, the you know, straight population and, you know, everyone's affected, but I just think there's small groups that aren't quite as affected per the entire, you know, in relation to the entire population of, of their particular group that, you know, just have more trouble sort of dealing with it or, like you said, kind of haven't found the way to reach people or get the message out.
3: You're right, And I completely agree with that entire statement because it has to. It can that can that can only be well many different variables, but it just shows that if you if we have enough, we think the 25 years or 30 years that it's been called AIDS or called HIV, that is enough time. But it's it's really hard for a group of people, even like the Ebola virus, it's really hard for a group of people to really sit there and say, okay, this is how we're gonna deal with this. Well, not even Ebola virus, because nothing, cause this virus is like, of course, is a, a, a in a need of its own Because it's something That's behavioral It's not You know It's not cultured It's just about behavior If you do a certain behavior You get this virus And it's it's kind of hard To stop people From doing something That's such a behavioral thing Because having unprotected sex For years Especially in like The 60s and 70s I mean it was a part of the thing To do and And promiscu- promiscuity was a big thing So just to see how we How we can How we can stop that And change up Our attitudes Towards sex I mean it's just crazy, but it but it's it's something that we we have to do because otherwise this virus will wipe us all out. But I have faith in people like like Robert and and, and um and Marvin and Scott and all the other all the other people I've met over the years. Um, that uh, I mean all across the world. Who and like Hidea Hadia and all these awesome activists that are standing up and saying things and whatnot. Um, Johnny um uh, Johnny Guadalu- I talk, Guadalupe or whatnot and um Charles. I, I mean I just meet so many people over the years that are, like, with the Campaign to End AIDS and all these different organizations that are standing up and saying they want to change something. And it's just awesome even getting a chance to be around these individuals because they know that we can win this. I mean, we can. We fighting this collective group of people we, that it can't defeat us and as long as we keep doing it like that, as long as we have black, white, Spanish, gay, straight, ugly, pretty, anybody. As long as we have these people together, man, it's without a shadow of a doubt that this virus will one day We'll no, no longer be here
0: Because we're going to wipe it out It's not going to wipe us out We're going to wipe it out You know, one of the Amen. things I want to talk about Egypt is um, I watched your videos on YouTube And it's amazing how you deliver And the way that you do it well, You have a certain name for um, The way that you, uh, you do your, your talks Or your, your one-man shows And what, what do you call that exactly? I call it uh, Confessional Narrative Okay, can you explain that to
3: the people Who may be listening Who may not know what that is? A confessional narrative is a mixture of acting, motivational speaking, poetry, and comedy used to educate people about a certain topic. The way that it breaks down is that many people learn in different ways. Some people learn from um, authoritative um, information, you know, direct, you know, motivational, um, and then some other people learn from just being very flamboyant. There's just many different ways that you can catch somebody's eye and ear to make them pay attention, so what I did was... I just researched all those different ways. Sometimes you got to make somebody laugh before you, before you say anything to them because otherwise they're not paying attention, you know. And I use all those different techniques in order to make sure that no matter which way you want to learn, you're going to find one of them in one of my pieces, and then now i got your attention. And as soon as i got your attention, I've infected you with education, and that's the amazing thing, Well, I brought education to your mind. And that's the whole that's the whole purpose of doing it in that particular way.
0: I think it's great. Um you do a, a bunch of one man shows. You have one that is called Stolen Virginity. Um <laughs> yes. and then you also have the one called God Did Not Give Me HIV, uh, which I'm looking at the the cover of your your picture that you have for the for the God did not give me HIV and it's really amazing, um you you know, with the apple and the serpent above kind of like the Bible. Right. It came from the idea of Adam and Eve,
3: mm-hmm. of how the
0: apple was a was the instrumental,
3: you know, was the, the the symbol of of how it's, her deception and whatnot. And um, the way that this breaks down is Adam couldn't blame God that this happened. Adam couldn't say, well, you know, it's because of God that you know I bit the apple and you know all this stuff happened. History, of course, but that's the purpose of the show. It's saying there's some people that were raped. There's some people that were. Um, that were born with the virus. Now some people that you know got some blood transfusions, but we all know the statistics for that are very low. A majority of the people that contract this virus are not even number one homosexual, but there is from heterosexual sex. But and then also it's from voluntary sex. So you have to think about it. It's saying this this whole one man show is saying, look what you've done, and then how canal canal. We can't blame anybody else but ourselves. So now let's deal with it, and that's the power of it because it gives people who may be infected the power to say, Well, I, I got this virus. Now I know now I know that I can be powerful with this virus and not let this virus be a crutch. Not let this virus be a handicap. Not not let it be anymore. And then people who don't have the virus to know that they have the power to stay uninfected. They have the power to help other people so they can stay uninfected or empower other people who are infected. And that's just that's why it's just been torn so much because people of all types of all types of um of of of, of sinks and whatnot they just feel that you know it, it it relates to them because the stories that I the stories I bring up a lot of stories come it comes from God and and then I realize that it actually happened in real life like I'll run into people who actually live those those stories or whatnot and I say okay that's why I was able to say it because I I've felt this before like this my spirit met this person a long time before and it's, it's just weird like I don't want to get like religious or whatnot but it's just weird because I don't blame a lot of the stuff that I do on myself like I know that it's somebody else is pulling these strings. Because when you see one of these shows, it's very, very, I mean, it's just, it's just so, it's just real. It just shows that it's real. But, but yeah, that's the, that's the guy that I give the
0: HIV one-man show. And how often do you do those? Um, quite often. I've I performed that show um, ooh,
3: probably about no less than 500 times. Like in wow. like, also. Yeah, I, I do a lot of HIVs conferences and, and a lot of just community performances and national performances, uh, even outdoor performances. I even got booed by a crackhead one time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think are, we've, all, we've all lived that experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, they,
3: they didn't want to hear, because uh, the way I performed, you have to know the whole story. Um, otherwise, you'll be lost. Um, if you just come in for one part and did not pay attention. So I guess he came in at the wrong part. And he was
2: like, just yeah, shut up. <laughs>
3: you know. So, I I enjoyed it though, because it was a good opportunity for me to, you know, just get infused with infused with um being in that type of audience, because I perform in front of the high class, rich people, and perform in front of poor people that can't even afford to pay attention. But at the end is still powerful to just see those those same people just, you know, being actually around
0: you, you know, learn. You're right there? Egypt. I'm okay. on. Right. An echo. <laughs> I thought we lost you. Oh no, no, no. I'm here. I, I was here. I, I just finished the statement. Oh, that's cool. Uh one of the other things that you do is that we touched briefly earlier is that you run the um AIDS awareness Poets Inc.
2: hmm
0: How did you get involved in that? Was that something that you started or was it something that was already existing and you kinda of just got involved with it?
3: I found it I founded that because when I was in um when I was in uh, at the community college level, uh, there was nothing about HIV. Uh, we had, of course, the, you know, the little uh, – no, we didn't. We didn't have the – we only had, we had a health class. but I mean, that really didn't go into depth on, on too much of HIV. So what I did was I said, with well, my, my leadership, I knew I could create something that would, that would touch the campus a lot faster than, than waiting until you graduate just to get a health class. So what I did was uh, we kicked off 43 events, and that's a, that's a record. For a college in one year to kick off 43 events um, consecutively about HIV, and our events were so well known that the CDC put our put our put our names on their website, like the CDC. And I was, and it was just it was wow. because of the fact that we did so much stuff and we were so effective at getting people educated. I think in in um and I think ooh, I think in four hours we got 200 people tested, and this is at a college campus. Four hours. 200 people tested just because of the ability to, to um, just to ca- catch people's attention. We had poets. We had one event called the of Runners Poets Campus Takeover, and we literally would have every offices, every every outlet that you could that you could enter or exit on the campus. We had somebody there performing, rapping, dancing, speaking everywhere. So no matter where anybody went, we had something there that you can get educated. And then we had HIV socks which I just made some so I got bought some socks and put HIV, um, the word HIV on it, so when people uh, put some socks on in the morning, at least they remember that idea. I mean, there's so many things that no matter where you went, bookstores, everywhere, people have been educated, and we just became so popular because of our ability to keep uh, people at, people's attention, number one, educate people about this virus, and not bore them half the death, you know, and they were just so excited, and that's what it was, and that was, um, I started as a college club, Became a national organization, and now to this day, people are still uh, being educated and people are still enjoying themselves because it's just so fun. And just so um, we just do things that are very, very different from many other organizations. And it's just um, we go door to door educating people about HIV um, and we invite people out to step shows. And then they get excited because they think, oh, it's a step show, which is a form of dance in the African-American community, and they get excited. They're like, oh, whoa, a step show. You know, dang, are free? Okay, yeah. And then they get there, and the whole step show is about HIV. Everybody's happy. They brought their kids. They brought their friends. You can even see it on my Facebook um, of us stepping in. But the whole thing, the whole thing, people are excited, and they're educated, and then they, then they sit back and say, we basically got tricked to be educated, but we don't, we don't feel bad because this trick here, it worked really well. And it taught us something that, that changed our lives. And We got so many people tested that day, but that's just the organization. Um, AaPoets.org is where you can get more information about us. And we're just—I uh, mean, everybody's young and everybody's lively and ready to make a difference. We have a chapter in New York, um, um, headed by Shakina Conway, um, and just just a group of people that really want to make a difference. And and some, like I said before, some people are HIV infected, and some people are not. And, but the main thing is everybody who's a part of it, they just really want to stand up and change something because we don't believe this virus will stay here forever because we're going to be the ones
0: as a collective group to change this and stop it. I just think it's great that, you know, that you are bringing it to, you know, to the surface that people are actually doing stuff that are not infected. And I think, again, like we said earlier, that is a great thing that, that you're so involved in it. Um, you did. If I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Egypt, but I did read somewhere that you did lose an aunt to, to AIDS, right? Yeah, well, she was a she was a cousin,
3: but we call a her cousin. auntie. She we're country, we're country. So what we call her name was <laughs> auntie auntie Ran Ran, like that. I mean, we're country people say things like that. Like, but her name was auntie Ran Ran, but she was a cousin.
2: So y'all in
3: y'all in New York, you may not catch that part, but <laughs> we're, um, but yeah, but yeah, but we uh, we call people papa or whatever, and that's like our brother or cousin. But my little niece and nephew call me Boppy, and I'm their uncle. uncle. So, but that's but she was um, she was my cousin. She died, but it was it was related to drugs more. So I have a cousin that that got it, but I think it was from um, unprotected sex. Um, but they like I said, these individuals who passed away. In my life or infected with the virus in my life or whatnot they they were um my auntie passed away. my cousin passed away I was so young i didn't even know anything about about HIV uh, many people didn't, especially at that time they just knew that she was very very sick and that she um that she needed help and um and they of course they they put her in the hospital and a few days later she passed away um and my um my cousin or whatnot um he uh, he didn't he didn't know until he got tested that he had the virus or whatnot. So now he's living with it, and um, and being strong as possible with the virus. Um, But but yeah, those are those are some of the those are some of the just the close people and I have. I've actually had a date. I dated a girl who was HIV positive. I mean, I can't say her name of course, but I've dated a girl who was HIV positive or whatnot. I she was in love with her, and I knew she was HIV positive. It wasn't people always asking me, "Did you find out later?" Like I met her and met her the way I met her. I met her. The fact that I knew her, she I knew she had HIV when I met her because of where we met and uh, what she was doing, you know. So it was real funny though because it was like um, people always people always kind of question you know, HIV negative people about why we do things like as if we don't practice what we preach. But it was like a girl I really cared for and I really wanted to be her boyfriend or whatnot. And it was just it was just a beautiful thing because she was so freaking. If y'all see this girl, y'all, are, man, I don't know if you guys are gay or straight or whatever, but if you are gay, <laughs> you may
0: reconsider. You
3: know what I'm saying? Because this girl was wrong. I mean, I was like, man, jeez, you know. But um, but but it was just because of the fact that, like I, like I, 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 really believe that, I really believe that, um, HIV positive and HIV negative people can coexist in a in a relationship atmosphere because of the fact that you can, what you don't recognize what you don't understand, you can learn. You know, because I would never know how it is. To be HIV positive, but I can understand, I can understand the situations. But when we have these guards of, when we say people will never understand us, we keep people from loving us. And I think even people who are not HIV positive need love too, because yeah, we need love from you know friends and family. Because I get, you know, I get more people that think I'm gay or HIV positive than probably people who are getting HIV positive. Because everybody thinks, that, oh, girls don't talk to him, girl. He probably got that stuff, girl. Uh uh-uh, oh, girl, he gay or whatever. I got gay <laughs> guys hit on me. I got I get more, <laughs> I get more gay guys that hit on me than, than I want to even admit. You know, like it's um, it's a um, but it's something that you know, but it's it's something that you you get like thorns thrown at you because it's like people are, they can't even find the they like they need that link. Like, okay, well, what's the real reason? Like, why do you care? They like right. they look at my, the way I live. They know I definitely am not rich. You know, they definitely know I'm not. I'm not making uh, tons of money off of the things that I'm doing, so you he, he can't say it's money, you know. So it's like, what what is the purpose of this guy? He gotta be gay. He gotta have HIV. Is he really a guy? That's not true. <laughs> but um, it, it's my, but you know, right, yeah, anyways. But I had yeah to answer the question. I had a, a cousin. Um, I had two cousins who, um, one passed away and one currently is living with HIV.
0: Right. I just want to remind people that we are speaking to Egypt, a.k.a. Devin T. Robinson X, and you can find out more information on Egypt at com. And if you're interested, you could call in, and um, feel free to make a comment or ask a question at 347-215-9442. Give us a call. I also think that um, I want to mention something
1: you said earlier about being in a relationship with an HIV-positive woman. And one of the... Things that um you know I don't I don't know how many radio shows I've done now <laughs> over you know thirty um, something whatever um but one of the things that really I mean I've heard all kinds of stories and I've spoken at all kinds of events but it was interesting because we had a couple named Sean and Gwen Gwen who who yeah who were um both heterosexual and married, and he was HIV positive and she was HIV negative. And he said to me, he's like, when I go and seek your colleges, you know, I tell the college students, um, having protected sex with my wife, knowing that my viral load is undetectable is countless times less risky than any of you straight college students out there that are having unprotected sex. Period. Like, so, you know, people think, oh, my God, you know, if you're HIV positive and you're with an HIV negative person, like, you're putting yourself at such high risk. And, you know, but it's like, you know, we know how you get it now. It's not, you know, as long as the, the HIV positive person is monitoring their viral load and keeping it, it undetectable and you're practicing safe sex, it's like the risk is very low. So, you know, I just think the, un- the uneducated population doesn't really understand that they're like why would you put yourself at risk like that and it's like well you know if you if you do what you're supposed to do it's not really that risky so
3: you're right my um when i was with the girl people kept asking me the same question like that was so stupid and i said really was that stupid i said i said how many of girls that you've had sex with, with that you know in the hiv status and you ask them that question and they get quiet i said did you know last girl you had sex with she had hiv or not they'll say, "Uh, well, she didn't look like it. I said, well, you already know that there's no look. So how do you know if she had HIV or not? Well, because you know, well, no, I don't know. And I said, the funny thing about it is I'm willing to, at least I knew her status. The girls you had sex with, you probably didn't know their status. And you had sex with them protected or unprotected. So you put yourself at risk because you didn't know. See, I knew. So now I I was able to protect myself. And me and this girl, we, we were sexually intimate. And um and I didn't ever I never contracted anything because I did the things proper way to position myself not to be in a in that in that box of of uncertainty like oh man what do I do now do I go get a test in three months or or do I eat some chicken grease or whatever type of thing people have got now to um, get the virus out of their system uh, <laughs> but, um, not making fun I, of any I, I haven't anymore. heard that one <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make fun of any coaches, but I mean just you know what I'm saying like I that's my that's my thing like I'm I was just, I was just, I knew the precautions. I knew what to do in order to make sure that I wasn't in a position where I was lost, where I was in a position where I was guessing about my about my status or my new status. But that was that was because I was able, to, I knew the, I knew the, I knew the um the the steps to take. Now, if we impact people with this information, then we don't have to worry about this conversation even coming up again because people are just. Uh, once they know it, then they know they don't have to keep saying these ignorant things. And and some people don't even know if it's ignorant. I had a relative recently that said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want my baby to be held by that person because that person has HIV. And I was like, what? How? So how would the baby, you know, get the virus? And they were like, well, because you know, what if he sweats on her or something, or uh, something? I was like, well, you know, that's not really a way that you can get HIV. I mean. I mean, you really can't get it from sweat. I mean, you really can't sweat yourself to death and then give somebody, you know, HIV. I mean, it really doesn't happen like that. But they didn't know. But it was because they were just ignorant to the facts. So it wasn't a bad thing. They just didn't know.
2: But they need right. somebody
3: to step in and say it. And once
0: somebody does that, everything changes. Right. One of my favorite things that um I came across on your site was uh, the one quote that you have under your history or his story, should I say? Um, I fight life with guns blazing. And, and you kind of owe that to your sister, you say, in your bio. Can you explain that a little bit? My
3: sister is one of the most phenomenal women in the world. She raised me and four other people um, by herself. In the daytime, she was a beautician, and at night, she was a stripper. I mean, this lady did whatever it took to make money so that way we wouldn't be in a position where we would be lost or begging. Um, and it, just, it was just really phenomenal. <clears throat> Excuse me. That um, that she cared so much, you know, and it was uh, mm-hmm. it was very important for me uh, when I started when I started caring for people that I, I I had I had to be ready to 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 go through the go through the fire, and I had to get ready to to take out some people because some people were going to stand in my way, and you have to when your guns are blazing. I mean, them suckers are hot. I mean, they're they're consistently shooting, and if you, I mean, if 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 I if I even told you guys a. a 10% of the amount of people that turn me down for everything that I've been doing, from the movie to, and I'm talking about free things. I'm talking about things that they, I'm not even making money from. I'm just, I'm just asking these people to help me help people. And it's, and it's like I, they stand in my way, and I just got to, okay, I got to find another way to do it. Bam, bam, get out of my way. But it, it's because I have to fight this battle with my, with my guns blazing because my sister showed me that nobody can stop you if you have enough love in your heart. And she had enough love in her heart to consistently push me to be the greatest person that I can be. See, she did it. And it was, it was her love and her compassion that changed everything. And it was so beautiful because it just made me recognize that, you know, at the end of the day, all I have to do is recognize that my heart is going to change things. My heart is going to, is going to push me to get through these, these amazing obstacles woo, that I've been going through just to help people. And it's just, and and that's all I'm doing. Like, I'm not even like, yo, like, I'm just helping people. Like, you can't even find fault in it. But you get these people that just stand in your way. I mean, even for my movie, like, I got turned down by, like, a billion and one, I can't even tell you, a billion and one such and such. And you're saying, saying, like, for what? Like, I'm not even asking for money. Like, is this, I'm asking you to just put your name on the dotted line so that way people can see that we're changing something together. Like but anyway. Yeah, so that part means um that, that part there is just I'm doing what she did. She fought she fought through all the negative um words that people said about her being a stripper. Uh she fought through all the negative um attention she got and she did it with her guns blazing, just consistently knocking through the people and I said, I gotta do the same thing because if I don't I'll be in a position where I'm always wondering how how many people could I really have helped if I was if I was relentless in my, in my in my quest to change? So that's what
0: she that's where it comes from. Cool, I think it's great. One of the things I wanted to you know since we're winding down, we have about fifteen minutes left. I wanted to talk about the movie that you do have coming out because um, right. I know we touched a little bit about it, and it's coming out December first. And you know where's it going to be? Tell us a little bit about it so people can find it and, and maybe view it. December 1st, um, this,
3: uh, down this, year, December 1st this year, we're going to have, uh, the movie is called God, Me, HIV. Uh, it's taking place in the Cinema Paradiso Movie Theater um, in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And this is going to be a historical movie. It's the first movie ever to have HIV testing as a part of the movie. Um, and then also, when the movie goes to Blockbuster, it'll be the first movie ever that every time you pick it up, you get an HIV test. Um, as attached to the movie, so at-home at HIV test. So now when people get inspired, they don't just get the information and say, wow, now I know. They say, wow, now I know, and I can do something about it right now at home or at the movies or wherever the case may be, so that way we can start really grasping the idea of changing this virus. Now, the, the movie is a is a is two parts. It starts off as a documentary of how and why you know, much like this interview, how and why did I start this thing? Where did the passion come from? Why, why is he doing this thing and being broke and, you know, not really, not, really, not really doing anything else but just helping people in HIV, black history, and all those other things that I'm doing? Why am I such a big activist? And what, who are the AIDS and what is pools? What do they do, you know? And, um, and answer those questions, and then we lead up to why is this particular one-man show so effective and, um, and why is it in this particular neighborhood? It's a bunch of whys and answers to it. Um, and the neighborhood that we're doing it in is the 33311 zip code, and it's the number one um, number one area in the state of Florida infected with HIV. And uh, we're shooting the film, and this uh, we're shooting the the um, the one man show in the in this theater that's right in the smack middle of the 33311 zip code. And when I tell you, the people there are literally being invited, ushered in, just to see the the uh, show we're we're getting that getting how we knock on people's doors and let them know. Listen, you gotta be here, and this is the hood hood. I mean, the place that you don't go in the daytime, let alone nighttime. You know, this is the hood hood, and um and but the movie is really just going to be two parts. One part documentary, and the next part the actual one man show. Why is it so important? Why is it so effective? Why do, why do you get so many people that really want to see it and are so intrigued just by? The, the images that we have of the particular show. Um, and, I mean, it's it's freaking awesome because it's a it's a mixture of, like, the Eddie Murphy-style, Robin Williams-style stand-up comedy, but yet it, it has such information, immer- and it is immersed with information that you, you have no, no choice but to just sit back and enjoy yourself because you see that it's more than just a one-man show, but right? it's, it's a movement happening in your body where you want to stand up and do something, you want to stand up and be something, and change, even if you 're doing something you want, you want to do something more because you actually saw that there are more things that we can do. We have twenty four hours in a day, but spend maybe eight hours truly helping people or whatnot. Some people don't even spend eight hours, and you can just use more time out of your day just to sit back and figure out how can you help more people so that way, if we all work together, like I said, about eight times already, that we can try we can finally end this. but it comes out December first you can um you can get information about it on HIV show dot com you can even see a little clip of um of like the of the one man show and how and how it you know it is pieced together and like some of the little images and whatnot. It's like a thirty second commercial. Um and you can also see some of the clips on B from the B E T show that I did and um and to of in addition to just more information about the movie and how you can donate if you would like to donate. And even even if you are in Florida on well, September twenty eighth, you can even be in the movie, so you can actually have a a cameo, you know, as one of the audience members when we roam the camera. So, but yeah, it's going to be a monumental movie. December first, uh, you can get more information once again on show dot com. There you go, Jack will fly to Florida.
0: <laughs> I don't need I don't
1: need an excuse to fly to Florida. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a good reason. <laughs> Jack's used to cameos. He did one in Sex in the City.
3: What? Okay, okay, <laughs> like celebrity. Okay. Well, if you if you recognize
1: the back of my head, you he can see me. That's about I like. All get to see.
3: <laughs> hey, still something. Now could have been nothing. That's still something.
1: That's true. That's
3: so I want to do a cameo. i do a cameo with Holly Berry
0: any day. So I don't care <laughs> I as, long as I'm. Me like too. Today. Hello. You, you know one of the cool things. One of the cool things about um, Egypt, Jack, and I don't know if you saw this, but um, these suit coats that you wear that have nah. this message of awareness on the back of them, I think are amazing, and I think it's really original that you do something like that. Where did that concept come from? My older sister, man, she's a beast. She, um, she came up with the <laughs> idea. Uh, to to
3: and uh, it's just really crazy because she wanted to, um, she wanted to find a way to – uh, I, I, to educate people while I'm walking, you know. And I said, because mm-hmm. you can sometimes, because I'm a talker, as you can tell, I talk a lot. I monopolize conversations. I'm crazy. But she um,
1: we love she, that. Uh, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> she, um,
3: she's very uh uh. So she was like, well, sometimes you can't talk to people. Sometimes people don't want to talk to you. So I said, well, how about if I we had something on my back? So when I'm walking, they can be educated, and then that's what happened. And um, now I have so many jackets. Galore with this on, and um, but it really catches people's attention because when you're walking, I have one my most famous jacket is the one I had on BET, and it says, um, "I failed my HIV test. Will you?" And they're like, "Failed my HIV test? Does he have HIV?" Because they don't know that the HIV test is a test that you don't want to pass. You know, you don't want to pass that test. And then, um, and the and so some people are thinking wait, does the failure mean you got it or not? So you should see, like, people walking behind me just sitting back with their hands on their hips trying to figure out, like, sometimes I walk when I'm in the airport, I'm looking at people behind me in the little mirrors, just, just looking at them out of the corner of my eye, and I'm just looking at how in deep in thought they are. We're trying to figure out what the heck is it? Does he have, what is that? And then he eventually tapped me on the shoulder and say, what does that mean, sir? And I tell him, but for that moment, they knew HIV existed, and the in the problem was solved. We need people to think about HIV in areas where we're not accustomed to think about HIV. So that way at least the conversation is brought up. Because otherwise we won't have a conversation about it until we see it on T V or which is rare or hear it on the radio which is rare or see it in the newspaper which is rare. We won't talk about it. So that right there promotes people to talk about it, it. Gives them a reason to sit there and say, you know let me let me let me let me tell my friends about what I saw. And then they tell their friends, and now it goes back into talking about it again. But why did he say, why would he do something like that? Does he have it? He probably does. He
0: probably be gay girl. You know, they gay. You know, da, 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 da. <laughs> I have a caller here online, so I want to bring them on before we run out of time. Caller, uh, area code 937. What's your name?
2: Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Lonnie calling from Ohio. Hey
3: Lonnie, hey, Lonnie. How
2: are you? Oh, I'm doing real good. Hey, Egypt, I got a question for you. Okay. Um, how much how, success have you had getting into the black churches? Oh, say it again. I'm sorry. The, uh, how much success have you got had uh, getting into the black churches and talking on HIV and AIDS? Oh wow! Um, I had tremendous success. Um, I went there.
3: They, um, I've, I've actually, I've actually haven't had too much, um, too much failure. I had a lot of success. Actually, I do one. I'll be, in, I'll be in Ohio this uh, 24th and 5th um, uh, doing, uh, present my, my one-man show, God and not give me HIV, at a black church, well, a few black churches on that particular, on the 23rd, I'll be doing that. And if you go on my website, you can get more information about it, or you can email me and I'll, I'll give you more information about it. But I haven't had, I haven't had too much, um, I mean, I've had I have a lot of success, I think because of the way that I do it, and they always kind of sweep me under the radar as a youth performer, so I get in, but I don't get the whole church. But I get in to the church, though.
2: Okay, I'm just wondering. You know, I know I've, we've struggled in our area trying to get into the black churches. And, and what's been your
1: what's been your <laughs> issue? Like, what what's the problem?
2: You know, it just. I mean, they'll say sure. We'll, you know, we'll get back with you, and they don't ever call us back. And, and I mean, mm. you know, I don't want to, you know, it's one sense, we, we need more African-American young men that are out speaking like each of us. Mm. They can get in the churches where, you know, a, sorry, that's why guys can't, you know, sometimes. You know, and, and I'm just, I think it's good to see somebody like doing what he's doing, and, you know, and I think people should recognize that, you know, that his community is being devastated right now. So everything he's doing is helping the community. If you, if one thing that works out too is make up
3: a, make up a, um, like some, some people like entertainment, you know, and you making, what I do sometimes is I I, I blatantly trick people into being educated. So if I were you, I would, I mean, I would go ahead and if they don't call back, I would say we have a, a workshop about, you know, something related to, you know, um, God's love. And then when, when they hear, okay, well, cool. You can talk to the youth about that. And you say, God loves everybody. And if you have HIV, God still loves you. Let me tell you some other ways that you can be educated about HIV. Once you're already there, it's kind of hard for them to stop you from finishing <laughs> <your HIV.
2: laughs> True, like,
3: I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth. Like, I've done Just amb, am, ambush them.
1: <laughs>
2: <When laughs> I like this man's thinking. I like this man's Thanks a lot. I'll get off here, but I, I like your thinking. That, that sounds like a cool idea. <laughs> Do it. I mean, what's the worst can happen? Because remember, back in the days <laughs> during
3: our civil rights, a lot of times we had to do things that were not legal or not or were not right to some people, but at the end of the day, we won because we just said it. It's no matter either you're going to educate the people or be afraid to do it. And if you're afraid to do it, then why even have it in your mind? So go ahead and figure out different ways to get to them. Because at the end of the day, when you do it, you change something. When you don't do it, you change nothing.
2: Yep, you're right. You're right. But just hang in there and keep on going. You know, I, I I'm really proud to see you out there doing what you're doing. And you're helping a whole bunch of people whether you realize it or not. So and I'll get off here. So and, uh, thanks Lonnie, you for Robert. calling
0: in. From Thank, Ohio. You.
2: Thank you. Thank you, appreciate it.
0: See that maybe a lot of will come out to the church where you're speaking.
3: <laughs> that'd be awesome, hey, that'd be cool. <laughs> that's crazy. I do um Hebron, Kentucky on September twenty third. That if it's actually Ohio, but that's where um that's where they say the main conference is Hebron Kentucky, right next to Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. I fly into Cleveland, Ohio, though, and then I'm, stay, I'm actually living in Cleveland, staying in Cleveland, Ohio, and then I perform in Cleveland, Ohio, I believe, and then here in Kentucky
0: September 23rd and 24th. Do you have any plans to coming to like, Philadelphia? Have you been here before speaking? I just left Philadelphia earlier this month on the,
3: on the 4th through the 8th. I wish I would have <laughs> met on Robert before so I could have set something up, but I just left. Philadelphia, but I should be back though the kids were very very impressed, and i mean you know, I was okay, but they i mean they they liked it I was okay but they really wanted to um bring me back to um Bethlehem and a place called camp cam- Cameron or Cameroon or Camden or something i, I forgot the name, but they wanted to bring me <laughs> back to Philadelphia and that Philadelphia area so i said hey i'm I'm definitely down for it i, I don't mind Philadelphia I got cousins that live there I don't but i I tell them that
2: <laughs>
1: so apparently we can we can only trust about seventy five percent of the stuff that comes out of your mouth.
0: <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, we're winding down to the last five midget, minutes. I was like, "midget." Do you hear me? Midget, Egypt. I was trying to put the words together. Um, is there anything that maybe you wanted to speak about, or something that we didn't cover? I. Uh, two main things. Uh, one, I
3: have a new workshop It's called um, It's Not About Chris Brown, and it's a phenomenal workshop that that um, educates people about domestic violence and how we can stop it as a collective group because it happens to men, it happens to women, heterosexuals, and homosexuals. I mean, not homosexual, but gay, um, gay relations people in gay relationships. And um, I really want more and more people to continue to book that, especially in the month of October, which is Domestic Violence Month. Um, and lastly, I really commend you all for doing what you're doing, because it, it. I just I can consistently say it, we have so many people that are in the HIV realm that are doing it, and they're doing it because it's their job, which is awesome, and um, and you have people that are doing it because it's their passion, which is awesome, and I, I think it's more and more that we have more people that are standing and fighting that are doing it because they really want to end this. I believe it's going to happen, and I just commend you guys for not stopping and never giving up, having this radio show. I know you guys are going to probably come out with some more stuff, probably like a sitcom in like three years or whatever you guys are going to do some amazing things so that I just feel your energy and I feel your minds going and I know you guys are going to continue to do awesome things I know this this radio show will probably be one of the biggest radio shows in the next couple of years and I just, I just hope you guys continue to be be inspired and, and really believe that you are making a difference and you're changing people's lives and you're doing this it's because you're doing it and it's needed and I, I believe in you guys and I hope that you guys continue to believe in yourself and just continue doing what you're doing so that way we can stop this virus from continuing.
1: Well, thank you very much. I don't know about the biggest radio show, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: we can try. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to aim
2: high.
0: <laughs> aim high. Well, Ethan, thanks for joining us today and taking some time out of your busy schedule, and nothing but love to you, man. You do great work, and uh, anytime you're in Philly, you look me up, or in New York, you look Jack up. All right, no problem. You Please do. Me. Be good. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. And you guys can find out more information on Egypt at www.robinsonx.com. And for all of you who may be on
1: the show in the near future, that's the kind of guest we love because they they keep talking. (laughs) Right?
0: It was awesome. I, I, I knew that he was going to offer so much, and it was weird because I didn't find out until, like, literally 20 minutes before the show that he wasn't positive. So we put a whole new spin on the questions that I was going to ask him before he came on, and for him to be a black man who's heterosexual and HIV negative and do all this awareness for people living with HIV and AIDS and, and black history and things like that, it's so a commendable.
1: Of, yeah, it says a lot about his character, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, an amazing man, so you, they should all check him out. Um, just uh, We've got about 90 seconds, so I just wanted to run down our next show next week. Actually, next week, Jack, we're going to be speaking with uh, Clint, Clint Walters from Health Initiatives, he was supposed to be on, I think, last month or two months ago, but he had a time zone issue, Right. Do you remember. So he's going to be joining us on September 9th, and then on the 16th, you're going to be away for Fashion Week, right?
1: Uh, Correct.
0: Right, and Dab Garner is going to sit in with us, and we're going to speak on Ryan White funding and the importance of getting the extension for the funds. And then your friend will be on September 23rd, John Rutherford from Colt Studios.
1: Yeah, and talk about porn.
0: Yeah, talk about <laughs> HIV in the adult film industry. <laughs> yeah,
1: that should be a good show.
0: So, Guys, go ahead. go ahead. No, I just wanted yeah. to remind people, if you were interested in being a guest, you can contact us at uh, robert at com and uh, we'd love to book you for future shows.
1: Yeah, definitely. And go to my website, jackclackenross.com, and I think I'll be posting – Uh, After Fashion Week on the 17th, I'm leaving uh, for Living Positive by Design with Merck to New Orleans. I'll be there for five days till the 21st. So if you're in New Orleans, come look me up.
0: Sounds good. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today and have a great week. And Jack, I'll talk to you in, in a week.
2: All right, man. Bye. Be good. Have a
0: good night.